40 years ago, Australian mother of two, Lynette Dawson, disappeared. A story famously told in the award-winning podcast The Teacher's Pet by Hedley Thomas, downloaded nearly 30 million times worldwide. Today, Lynn's former husband, Chris Dawson, was found guilty of her murder in the New South Wales Supreme Court. ABC reporter Jamie McKinnell was there today when the judge read out his verdict. Good evening, Jamie. Good evening. What was the atmosphere in court like today? It was pretty tense, I have to say, and it was a, a pretty marathon judgment. Justice Ian Harrison spent almost five hours going through all of the different elements and the evidence in this case. And uh, there was a lot of interest as well. It wasn't just the main courtroom where Chris Dawson and all the legal teams were set up. It was actually uh, an overflow courtroom as well, it had to be allocated, and, and that was uh, a pretty large room where spectators and journalists and anyone else who was interested could watch. Uh, the uh, judgment was also live streamed over YouTube, and I think there were about 20,000 people who were watching that link at one stage. So it was a, a pretty amazing build-up, and, and for Lynette Dawson's family, it's obviously a, a moment they've been waiting for for decades. Absolutely. Take us back to 1982. Who is Chris Dawson, and what was he doing at the time of his wife's disappearance? Well, Chris Dawson was a PE teacher, a physical education teacher on Sydney's northern beaches uh, in 1982. And uh, he was married to Lynette Dawson, who was a nurse. Uh, and the, the Crown case against Chris Dawson here in the Supreme Court trial was that his motivation to get rid of his wife was his desire to have an unfettered relationship, as the prosecutor put it, with their teenage babysitter. Now, the babysitter was a person we knew in the course of this trial as JC. But Mr Dawson's lawyers argued there was an alternative explanation for Lynette Dawson disappearing. They suggested that she might have come to the conclusion that her trust had been so horribly breached and she might have seen the relationship was so beyond repair that she simply decided to walk out on the family. Now, it's worth pointing out as well that Lynette Dawson's body has never been found. So, of course, that makes this an entirely circumstantial case which I think is why uh, part of the reason why the judge took so long today and was so meticulous in going through each element of uh, the prosecution and the defence cases and deciding what to accept and what to disregard. Uh, there were allegations at the time of predatory teachers at three Sydney high schools in the 1980s with young students seen as easy targets. Uh, did, did any of those schools ever get prosecuted? Well, that was, it's actually quite separate to the Chris Dawson case. So there wasn't a lot of material before the court in relation to that. But the court did hear in the course of this trial a lot of evidence uh, about the high school where Chris Dawson taught and what he was like as a teacher and, and people's observations of, of JC, who was actually a student at this high school where he taught uh, around the time of 1980, 1981 and 1982. So that was really the key period where there was a lot of evidence about uh, troubles in Lynette Dawson and Chris Dawson's marriage and his apparent uh, desire to have unfettered access with uh, the, the babysitter of the family, JC. And the victim, of course, his wife, Lynette Dawson, and her family, have they spoken since the verdict this afternoon? They have. We heard from Lynette Dawson's brother. Now, he, uh, Greg Sims, uh, spoke on the steps of the New South Wales Supreme Court and he said that uh, it was a, a relief and it was a day today where Lynette Dawson's name has really been cleared because of the defence theory that was put forth in the course of this trial that she might have you know, walked out and abandoned her family. Greg Sims was saying that 
you know, this is proof that she loved her family, that her trust was betrayed by a man that she loved, but essentially her name has been cleared and she's been given a voice after 40 years of questions and speculation. And the other pretty significant thing that Greg Finn said was that this is a milestone for their journey in terms of advocating for Lynette Dawson, but he said it's not complete, the journey, because Lynette Dawson is still missing. And he really called on Chris Dawson to, as he said, do the decent thing. And if you have any knowledge of where she might be, then allow us to bring her home and and lay her to rest with the dignity that she deserves. And you mentioned the children, two children. They were just little girls when their mother disappeared. Chanel and Sharon, are they? Who are they? Were they in court supporting their father, perhaps, or any any uh, evidence from them? I'm not sure about the daughters of Mr. Dawson, but I know that he definitely had a group of supporters, which included his uh, two brothers, including his twin brother. Uh, there's been some evidence of of uh, you know the close bond that those two shared. Uh, and so he definitely had a, a group of supporters and there were some quite, um, you could say, tense scenes outside court where Mr Dawson's supporters were being pursued by a pretty big uh, group of cameras and, and photographers and they appeared quite visibly frustrated. Obviously, this is not the outcome that they were hoping for today and they were looking for some privacy, but they did uh, appear quite visibly frustrated as they were leaving court and, and had to deal with this incredible amount of media attention on them in what was probably a very vulnerable time. Yes. And The the Teacher's Pet, the podcast by Headley Thomas, has he spoken since the verdict? Because that podcast went a long way to getting this before the courts. Yeah, it certainly did. And uh, Mr Thomas was actually there on the steps of the court with uh, Greg Sims, the man I mentioned who was Lynette Dawson's brother. Uh, Mr Thomas was speaking about how, you know, initially Lynette Dawson was seen as a runaway mother and, and that he really took this story on. He he uh, certainly paid tribute to some of Lynette Dawson's immediate relatives and said that they sort of trusted him with this story. Uh, but it has to be said as well that this that the podcast uh, really had a lot of common territory in terms of the witnesses that appeared before the court here. A lot of the witnesses had already been interviewed by Hedley Thomas by the time they were called to give evidence for the prosecution. And the podcast has uh, certainly, you know, catapulted, I guess you could say, this case into the public consciousness. There was a period where it was the subject of court orders, though, and there was a prohibition on discussing, you know, the name of the podcast or the fact that it had been uh, had been created. So when Chris Dawson was first charged and arrested back in 2018, there were some court orders which prevented that podcast from being disseminated any further um, but I think the main concern there was alleviated when we had a judge alone trial, so there was no jury involved in this trial. Right, and the judge, I believe, he actually did mention the podcast. He criticised it, actually. He said, uh, said it had a less than balanced view uh, pertaining to the case. Yeah, so he was uh, really summing up as well and noting that a lot of witnesses uh, who gave evidence spoke to Mr Thomas, uh, the journalist who produced it, and he said that Mr Dawson's lawyers have put forward this argument that that was a podcast series that had influenced witnesses in the trial and cross-contaminated their true recollection. So it really did provide somewhat of an obstacle in terms of uh, this case making its way through court. And it was actually uh, a large part of why there was an application in 2020 for a permanent stay of these proceedings. In other words, to sort of put the case on hold the extraordinary level of pre-trial publicity in terms of the podcast and the coverage that that generated was very heavily cited in the application to 
have the case stayed. And ultimately, the Supreme Court decided that a temporary stay of about nine months was appropriate, but it was still warranted that uh, Chris Dawson should be um, you know, taken to trial and, and face the charge of murder. And what a story this is when you look at how he manipulated JC, as she's referred to in this case, his student, hired her as a babysitter, then came, had her come to live in their home as a live-in babysitter while Lynn was still at home. Uh, just very traumatic for her when she looks back on it because she married him. Yeah, absolutely. So after Lynette Dawson disappeared, JC uh, was giving evidence, actually, when she was called to the witness box about how she was essentially treated like a slave. And looking back on it now, she told the court that she sees herself as being groomed by her former teacher because when Lynette Dawson disappeared, she really became, you know, the housekeeper and the cook and the cleaner. She uh, was actually the source of one of the most contentious allegations in this trial as well, this suggestion that Chris Dawson had allegedly contemplated hiring a hitman to get rid of Lynette Dawson. JC was the one who uh, first gave evidence about that and was the source of that. Now, the judge, Justice Ian Harrison, has found that he's not able to be satisfied that that kind of conversation with JC and Mr Dawson took place. But otherwise, in terms of JC's evidence, he found her to be a truthful and reliable witness. So he found as well that their their divorce and their separation wasn't something that had corrupted her her evidence or influenced her point of view. That was a, a criticism that Chris Dawson levelled against JC when he was first confronted with those hitman allegations in a police interview. He said it was uh, an utter fabrication and it was the, the it was the result of a bitter custody dispute between himself and JC. So, even though the judge sort of rejected the uh, contentious allegation of the hitman side of things. He did find that JC was ultimately a, a pretty reliable witness. And he also made the comment that he was struck by her description of herself as being merely a child when these things were happening. And he said she was somebody who had little control over what she was swept up in. Gee, what a story. And how many episodes in that podcast? Something like 17. There's got to be another one yeah. coming. I, I think it was quite... It was quite extensive, and I, I know that there was uh, some kind of podcast series going on to cover the trial as well, so that uh, created a whole level of, uh, of coverage around what was happening while this uh, trial of about 10 weeks was happening as well earlier this year. So Chris Dawson uh, led away in handcuffs. What was his demeanour? He looked pretty uh, stony-faced, I have to say. His lawyer outside court told us that he was in shock and quite upset, um, but he really appeared over the course of this very lengthy judgment exercise to be sort of hanging on the on the, on, the, on the every word of the judge. He was very nice, um, but he didn't really give much expression away in his eyes or his forehead. That he was certainly, uh, you know, looking at the judge and, and maintaining eye contact a lot of the time. And he was led away in handcuffs by court officers to spend his first night in custody. Outside court as well, his lawyer did flag to us that uh, an appeal is probable, an appeal against the conviction. And as I mentioned, he, um, the lawyer was maintaining that his client is, is sort of insisting that he's still innocent of the charges and will continue asserting that innocence. What's the sentence likely to be? Well, he's facing a potential life sentence uh, for the crime of murder. And it, it, we were waiting to find out when the sentence might happen. Um, but the other thing that might happen in addition to being handed a life sentence is that if he does appeal, there might also be a bail application pending that appeal. So 
there are a lot of questions still sort of left up in the air. We've heard from Greg Walsh, the lawyer, that that a, a, an appeal is probable, although I don't think it's been formally filed yet. Um, so things will probably take a few weeks at least to move to the next stage of sentencing or appeal, regardless of what happens. Thanks, Jamie. No worries. That's ABC reporter Jamie McKinnell.